So as kind of a way of intro, um, most of you know, but Merlin Gentz Wednesday had a what we probably think is a massive heart attack and passed away. Uh, went home to be with Jesus and Pat and Michaela and Aaron and Aaron Sluter and Brooke Sluter are on their way right now to Des Moines for another memorial service. Uh, so they're hurting like crazy. But through it all, they, above anybody else, I guess with everybody else, have constantly been focusing back this week, anytime I've talked to them, on the hope. The hope that they have in Christ. And it's sad because this is the greatest hope we have, but yet we kind of forget about it or maybe don't emphasize it as much or, or sort of brush it aside when we're really getting through the, the rat race of life. But what an important thing to focus on and think about. So this morning, we're taking a step sideways. We're taking a, a little different turn. We're not going to dig into Titus again this week. Uh, we're not even going to dig into... To, parsing the grammatical words and all these kind of things, we're actually going to take a week to just focus our hearts uh, and hopefully find a deep encouragement together by looking at what does Christ have in store for those who know Him. So let's open in prayer and uh, dig into 1 Thessalonians. Father, thank You so much for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank You so much that right now uh, Merlin is face to face with Your Son that he's not feeling an ounce of stress or pain or frustration, all of the things that, that we've probably experienced already today. Instead, Lord, he is um, just enjoying your presence. We know that he's doing what he's designed to do, what he's been made to do. He's worshiping you. He's, he's uh, fellowshipping with you, Lord. And that's exciting. At the same time, there's... There's some people hurting so bad right now, Lord, and we would ask that You would comfort them, that You would help them. We ask now that You'd focus our hearts, Lord, on, on um, the right perspective of life, the right view of life, that at any moment, this very moment, Christ could come back. We need to be ready. We need to be enthused and we need to be zealous for living for that day. So... Lord, guide us even now in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4. It's an exciting day for me. For the first time, I'm going to read completely from my digital Bible. So, join me if you can. Part of the new revolution. But 1 Thessalonians 4. We'll read starting in verse 13. Oh, great. Pages can't be found. That's awkward. Who has 1 Thessalonians 4 that can read? <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13. Caleb, do you have that handy? With a nice, loud voice. Read out. Yep. Through the end of the chapter.
There's a lot of different purposes of this, but this is the bottom line. This is what life's about. Getting ready and looking forward to that day where Christ is coming back. And this is a perfect week uh, to focus on that and the perfect time to, to refocus our hearts. And again, we hurt and we're sad, but already, um, again, already Merlin is in a great place where he's enjoying this very thing. So it's appropriate for us to take a look at it. There's a few things about this passage. And again, the, the point of today is to be brief. The point of today is to uh, simply give you an opportunity to, to refocus in. But a couple of things about this. Look at verse 13. The struggle that the Thessalonians were going through was there was some real young Christians among them who didn't know how to deal with people passing away. They didn't know what the story was about what happened when believers uh, died. And so it's, it's, a, it's a call, first of all, against ignorance. They wanted these believers to be fully informed about God's plan for those who know Him and for those who precede the rest of us in death. And so he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who've fallen asleep. If you haven't caught already, asleep sleep here is a euphemism for physical death. Uh, we don't want you to be ignorant and we don't want you to be sad. We don't want you to be sorrowful like those who don't have any hope. I've had, unfortunately, two opportunities now to be in the, the family room at Mercy ER, uh, both because uh, of people passing away and being there with the family, trying to comfort and encourage and trying to be a help in some way. And many of you were there in those exact two instances. And I was saying to, to Sarah that it was pretty dramatic, the difference between these two experiences. Uh, and the bottom line was in the first experience, there were those there who loved Jesus and followed Him, but the majority of the people there did not know Christ as their Savior and frankly did not have this hope that we're talking about this morning. The second was with Pat and Michaela and the rest of their family. And it was just completely different. Am I right, JP? They were sad. They were broken. They were, they were um, hurting. But there was a hope. There was a difference. And this is what they were trying to pass on to these early believers in Thessalonica, that don't sorrow like the rest of the world because you have hope. So it's important to see what this hope is all about. Verse 14, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. That is some powerful comfort right out of the blocks of these verses. The authority for what we talk about today is in the very death and resurrection of Jesus Christ Himself. How certain can we be about the hope that we talk about? As certain as Christ dying and rising again, which we know is, is what we bank not only our salvation on, but now we see we bank our hope on that. That's how certain these words are. As certain as Jesus Christ has died and now risen, we can be confident that those who sleep will be with the Lord forever. 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Now there have been books and books and books and opinion after opinion written about these verses. The bottom line is there's several, several different views about what happens 
at the end of the world, so to speak. But I and many others personally believe from this passage and lots of others that there's going to come a day that no one knows when, but there's going to come a day uh, where Christ will come back. And it starts to talk about this. So let's look in. For this reason we say to you, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The teaching is clear. There is an unexpected time where there's going to be a trumpet. Is this a literal trumpet? I kind of think it is. Is that a deep theological view? Maybe, maybe not. But the important part is, is there's going to be a time where the archangel will shout, the trumpet will sound, and Christ Jesus himself will be in the clouds, in the air, ready to call those home who know him. Picture that for a minute. What my friend Donnie will say, this is where I get touchy-feely on you. But that's okay because the reality of this is I need you to get excited. We need to get enthused about this so that the rest of life can be shaped around this imminent return of Christ. But picture that for a minute. Picture hearing a trumpet. I talked to my girls about this and um, for some reason Amanda has been focusing on the volume of the trumpet. She wants to know, how loud is it going to be, really? And she'll always ask me, Dad, do you hear that noise? Is, is that how loud the trumpet's going to be? So um, the best I came up with lately, and this is good, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And if you've ever been in Lincoln, Nebraska on a Friday night in the fall, what are they getting ready for? Husker football. And we were at, and I don't even remember the name of the place, but one of the premier uh, steakhouses where the band of the Huskers comes every Friday night and they pile into this restaurant. You've got this marching band in this restaurant and they start blaring their horns, these fight songs. And you've got these crazy people standing up on chairs singing these fight songs at the top of their lungs. It is cool. I did not go to a major university where they had a football, but it made me appreciate why people get so passionate about their team. But the bottom line is, is that was an extremely energetic and loud time, hearing these horns blaring. That's my new identification of what that trumpet is going to sound like. It is going to be great. And the scripture clearly says that those of us who know him will be going to meet with him in the air. But there's a step before that. What does it say? That even before we get a chance who are living, who are alive and remain, as it says, the dead in Christ will rise first. We believe that those who have known Christ as their Savior will literally be resurrected at that time. And their bodies will literally be resurrected out of the graves to first join Christ. Once that's happened then those, the rest of us who are alive and remain, will also do our Superman impression, boom, right up to meet Christ in the air. And that is the start, as this says, of us forever being with the Lord. Let's dig in a little bit more. If we talked about the dead in Christ will rise at that point, what happens? what happened to Merlin on Wednesday? What happened between that trumpet call 
where the dead in Christ are risen, are raised rather, and now. Well, there's other scriptures that I think give us some enormous comfort on that. Acts chapter 7. Uh, listen to what happened to Stephen uh, after he is martyred. Caleb, you have that one? Yep. Stephen himself talks about wanting God to receive his spirit. Uh, Luke 23 gives another hint of this. Matthew. The context of that is Jesus Christ himself is hanging on the cross and one of the thieves next to him says, remember me when you come into your paradise. And we understand that to mean that the thief was putting his trust in Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus say to him? Today you shall be with me in paradise. Second Corinthians five eight, Victor. There's a difference between your body being with Christ in heaven and your spirit or your soul, the immaterial part of you. Frankly, the part of you that makes you up, the part of you that separates you from the rest of creation. And we believe from these passages and from others that the minute, the second, that Merlin passed from life to death here on earth, where was he? With the Lord. With the Lord. One author had a cool way of saying it. Before the doctor can pronounce you dead, you're with Jesus, face to face. That's exciting. And there's a comfort that there's a separation between our soul, who really makes us up, and our body. And the body will be in the ground until the day when Christ returns. But your spirit, your soul, will be with Christ. And again, enjoying Him, spending time with Him. So verse 15 talks about the body part, that the body will actually be raised to join Christ in the air. A couple other interesting points of this. Then those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. There's some excitement here too. The trumpet sound and the voice of the archangel, those are military concepts. Those are military sounds. And this gets me pumped up because the picture is Christ the ultimate general calling his troops together. Calling you, if you know Christ as your Savior, calling you, his servant, his soldier of Jesus Christ, to his side in a triumphant, mighty way. That's cool. This is going to be a day to look forward to. But that reminds us of something, doesn't it? What is our time here on earth all about? if we are going to be called as soldiers to come shoulder to shoulder following Jesus Christ, what does that remind us about our time here? That this is the time that we're in battle for the Lord Jesus. This is the time where, as Caleb put it this morning in our little Bible study, we are not our own. We were bought with a price. Therefore, this is our opportunity to glorify God in our bodies. This is the time where we have to remember by looking forward to that day where Christ is coming back, 
by being inspired by that, enthused by that, given hope by that, the purpose of that hope for us right now is to serve Him with everything we have. On that day where He comes in the clouds, we with everything we have will join Him. We'll join Him in, in body, we'll join Him in our soul, we'll join Him in spirit. Not, and when I say spirit, I mean in all of our zeal and enthusiasm. That shouldn't look different from how we're living for Him now. In my life it does. And you can probably point to your life at times where it does. It looks different. It's not centered on our general Christ. Instead, it's centered on my own selfish ambition or it's centered on distractions around me or it's centered on following the ways of the world instead of following the ways of, of the general who's given clear instruction of how his troops are to act. Clear instruction of how to, they're to live. I think the most encouraging point of the uh, funeral this weekend, the time leading up to that, was remembering the example that Merlin had laid out of remembering that he was a soldier of Jesus Christ. I don't know that you could talk with Merlin long before you were encouraged. I don't know that you could talk with Merlin for very long uh, before you could see the zeal and joy of the Lord in him. One of my favorite examples of this is if, for those of you who uh, didn't know Merlin as well as others did, Merlin grew up in an extremely conservative Christian uh, environment where uh, he held, and, and probably in a lot of ways still held up to the day of his death, some conservative views. And yet, where's he been fellowshipping? <laughs> well, you crazies. What does that say about the man? That says that Merlin understood it wasn't about him, didn't he? He understood that his preferences could be set aside for the unity of the body. What he would love to hear for music, and JP did a good job, JP's our hymn lover, he brought back. But the other times, JP, uh, Merlin could set aside his own preferences for the good of this family. And he was enthusiastic in it, he was loving in it. And that to me is a great example of the zeal and the selflessness that we have to show every day. Are we caught up in our own preferences? Are we caught up in our own satisfaction? Let me encourage you. One of the greatest things that thrilled my heart this weekend was seeing you guys partnering with the Gens family and extended. The fact that yesterday alone, and I know the days before that, you guys were right there by their side. You were family. And that is so powerful. How many people commented to your mom about how blessed they were by the church? You guys are living it. You guys took an opportunity when your brother fell here on earth, so to speak, you took the opportunity to come alongside Pat, come alongside Aaron and Mick and Brooke and Aaron and so many others and be the family of God. That's the kind of selflessness, that's the kind of soldiers of Jesus Christ that He wants on a day-to-day -day basis. Well done. Well done. And it was thrilling to be going through mentally yesterday and account for who of our family was there. And those who weren't there couldn't be there. That is so cool. Well done. 
Well done. You were there. You were faithful soldiers of Jesus Christ. And what's the outcome of that going to be? Well, we won't know for sure. But already, there were, there's, there were those there who saw that directly. There were people who Merlin worked with who didn't know Christ as their Savior. And that first day in the hospital from talking to you, they saw Christ through you. And again, there were comments that his employers made about Merlin, about Merlin's consistent uh, integrity, hard work ethic, walk for the Lord. And they saw that continued in you. That is a blessing. That is a blessing. You guys understand what it means to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, let's take encouragement, let's take energy from that and realize that we don't have to wait for a tragic thing like this week to come together like that. That this can be the way we live. That the way you embraced that family, the way you work shoulder to shoulder, can be the way we live every single day. That we can embrace one another. That's i got to think that's maybe the hardest thing that that family will go through. There's few things that I can think that would be more painful or emotional. They're out there, maybe. But they were going through tough, tough times. And you guys ministered to them. There are hundreds of tough things that you guys are going through right now. We've got to minister to each other. We are the soldiers of Jesus Christ. I'm watching a show these days that... uh, focuses on the the life of a soldier when they come back. And one of the common themes is the loyalty that these men and women have for each other when they come back from Iraq or they come back from Afghanistan. They are a band of brothers and sisters. They are tight. And I've seen in the show uh, depicting where they've killed to protect each other. They've given their lives to protect each other. There's a loyalty there. Well, when Christ comes in the clouds and calls His army home, will that army have been characterized by to-the-death loyalty? Unswerving zeal for looking out for each other. Unconditional love for one another. Or, will that army come fractured because we judged each other and we fought with each other and we uh, were so caught up in our own time uh, that we didn't minister to each other the way we should. When you think about that day, all of these things come into focus. All of these things are up for evaluation. And we saw already this weekend the extremely powerful example of you guys banding together as a band of brothers and sisters. Will we continue that? Will we continue that? And we could get into all kinds of analysis of why we judge each other and and why we're unloving, but we know it's about saying, it's not about me. It's about following Christ and living for Him. Is all of that within these couple of verses? I really think it is. And certainly throughout all of Scripture, will we be men and women who come together and keep plugging away until the Lord Jesus returns? Verse 16, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain 
shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Always be with the Lord. The clear part of that, again, is comfort, isn't it? That eternal paradise with Jesus Christ. For those of you who believe that Jesus Christ's death on the cross took care of the penalty for your sin once and for all. Eternal paradise with Christ. But that always with the Lord sparked something else in me, frankly. It made me realize the shortness of the opportunity that we have here on earth. How many years? Seventy-three and a half. For all the others of us, like Brother Merlin, he had 59 years. For what? To demonstrate allegiance to Christ. To demonstrate following Christ and obeying Christ and living for Christ. Always being with the Lord is comforting and wonderful. The other side of that is that your opportunity to live for Christ at that point is done. Now, you'll still live for Christ because that's all there is. The hindrances will be gone. There'll be no reason not to live for Christ, but the flesh, the world, the devil will have no chance to influence us then, which is great. But this is our opportunity. This is our chance. With the Holy Spirit to do the work and the Holy Spirit inside of us, we have an opportunity to yield to the Spirit every day. And despite the difficult circumstances, despite the opposition, we can live for Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5 says there's enormous reward not for those who are doing it in heaven, because that's the what you do in heaven, but for those in this 59 to how many years labor for Christ faithfully here. For those of us who take this opportunity to resist the flesh, to resist the world, to resist the devil, and to live for Christ with selflessness and zeal, enormous, enormous reward awaits for us. And that always with the Lord just kind of hit me a little bit on that. Am I taking advantage of every single day? Would Christ come back an hour from now? That's exciting. But it's a little freaky too. Was this how I want the last day of serving Christ on earth to go into the books? And... A good friend of mine kind of pointed out, I was saying to him, you know, why do we quibble over all this end time stuff? Why do we, we discuss this? And he said, well, when you're looking at the imminent return of Christ, meaning that Christ could come back literally any second, you need to live life as though this was your last day, your last minute, your last second to serve Him. There's some motivation there. And let's take a hold of that. This could be our last opportunity to show love to our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, when it's tough to do. Another great friend of mine, when I was asking, why is it so hard? Why is it such a struggle? His point was, in a, in a unique way, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a struggle because that's the opportunity. Life is hard. And I'm coming to understand that if I'm looking to be comfortable, if I'm looking to have the high life, then I'm looking on the wrong side of eternity. Because life for the follower of Christ will be consistently difficult. 
but it's supposed to be that way. Now, is injustice supposed to exist? No. But the opportunity, how God is using evil, not creating it, how God is allowing temptation, not tempting you, how God is exploiting sin, not making sin, the reason for that is an opportunity to serve Him. And so it will be tough. It will be difficult. But that's our opportunity to please the Lord and to honor Him. So always with the Lord. First and foremost, be encouraged by that. Be enthused about that. But secondly, don't forget that this is your opportunity. This is my opportunity. And if living for Christ when it's hard brings reward, these are the very few years that we have to do that. Um, Special note to those of you who are uh, going through college right now or those of you in high school right now. Too many times I think people in your point of life uh, view the future as when you're going to live for the Lord. Now many of you don't, and I appreciate that. But understand that this is the time, whether you're in high school, whether you're in grade school, whether you're in college, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a career person, this is the time to serve Christ. And one of the most comforting things about all Scripture uh, is that all of us are in full-time ministry. All of us are called, whether you're organizing garages for people or whether you're studying uh, textbooks or whether you're uh, encouraging families or whatever you're doing occupationally, you are in full-time ministry for living for God. And we have to grasp the opportunity at hand. Uh, too many times we, we look that we're preparing to serve the Lord. No, we're serving Him now, or at least need to be. This is the time. This is the opportunity. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Finally, therefore comfort one another with these words. When should that comfort, when should that discussion take place? Well, definitely on weekends like this. Definitely, but not restricted to this weekend. These have to be constantly in front of us as far as words of comfort. These have to be constant, a constant motivation that Christ is coming. Keep on keeping on. Keep at it, because Christ is coming very soon. And if He doesn't come, well, you know that your life is short in the span of eternity uh, so if you pass away before He comes, still the days are short. Any moment, Christ could be here to take us home. Let's remind each other about that. When's the last time you reminded someone about that? Well, probably this weekend. When will be the next time that you remind each other about that? It's got to be soon. Because our focus is so easily taken from making the invisible kingdom visible to the rat race of now. I was talking about sci-fi themes last week and I remembered The Matrix. And I think one of the most powerful parts of that Matrix movie is the, the harsh reality that when those people were living on the, wor- on the earth, it was all a digital facade. And they were so captivated by what they saw digitally that they were actually being exploited for their energy and all this other stuff. But the point of it is so real. This is not reality. The reality 
is the kingdom of heaven. And we've got to constantly focus our eyes. So therefore, comfort one another with these words. The power of that is hope. The other power of that is motivation and reminding that this is what it's all about. Living for the invisible kingdom. Making the invisible kingdom visible. Finally, I wanted to summarize just a couple of things. And then we'll have an opportunity to worship. And guess what our theme this morning is going to be? The hope that we have in Christ. So if there's ever a time for, for uh, solid worship, this is another great opportunity for that. But just a couple of additional encouragement. One, this hope should encourage those who have suffered loss of family members. Absolutely. Let me say practically. Pat, Aaron, Michaela, Aaron, Brooke, and many others are going to need you like crazy in the next several days and weeks, months, and years. You need to be there for them. We need to be there for them. We've had this opportunity in the past, and in many ways we've done a fantastic job, but there have been times in the past where I've dropped the ball where you've dropped the ball, where maybe I, I planned on ministering to a family in this way, but you know what, I just didn't quite get it done. That can't be the case, can it? We need to be focused and consistent on ministering to this family because we're going to fade in our remembering of this day and this weekend. Three months from now, we probably won't be thinking daily of Merlin and frankly of his family but they'll be thinking of it. They'll be hurting about it still. They'll be needing you to come alongside with prayer, encouragement, service. One of the other exciting things to me about this weekend was three of you took time and effort to go and serve uh, Pat in an extremely practical way and it meant the world to her. They had an opportunity to go in and, and after the busyness of the week, they had an opportunity to... to um, do some, some things that just service-wide that made a huge impact on her and encouraged her tremendously. Look for those opportunities. So reminder one on this whole thing is don't forget uh, that, that Pat, Aaron, Michaela, others need us by their side. Look for ways to minister to them. And there's others, aren't there, who have lost loved ones. Let's not forget about that. Let's be there with these words of comfort. Let's be there with support and service. Secondly, we've already touched on it, so I won't touch much, but remember the stewardship issue that's reflected here, that every minute belongs to the Lord and it's got to be used for Him. Third, this is an opportunity to reach out to the lost. This is our chance to tell others about Christ. When Christ comes back, that's it for us as far as sharing the good news. How are we doing on this? How are we doing at taking opportunity to share the good news that Jesus Christ died to pay for the sins of the world with all that we come in contact with? Maybe just through action, maybe through word, but are we working to this end? I've got to tell you, I've struggled uh, in the last bit of time. I was talking to Christy about this. I don't know, but my, my focus on this has, has waned a bit. And I've gotten a little bit too self-centered and less outward focused on sharing the good news. For a while there, uh, particularly 
shortly after Brother Gar's death, it was very close in the thinking. But it's, it's faded a little in my life. And we've got to have this reminder that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We don't have to go out of our way to uh, throw a bunch of words at people. But at the very least, we need to be showing the love of Christ. Every single person we come in contact with. I'll embarrass him, but Ethan is great at this. Ethan is excellent at showing the love of Christ to everyone he comes in contact with. It's usually an encouraging word. Hey, you know what? Have a good day. Or it's usually genuinely caring about what they're sharing with him while we're waiting for our Starbucks. Uh, but it's real. It's genuine. We need that. Look at every interaction as an opportunity to show the love of Christ, whether that's those who know Christ or those who don't know Christ. This is our time for that. Develop relationships. Truly love our neighbors. Christ called us to it. Are we working to that end? Or are we getting a little too inwardly focused? Let's examine on that. And then finally, if anything else, uh, including everything else, this hope needs to produce worship from your heart. Another writer put it this way, when you get to heaven, all you'll do is worship and you'll love it and you'll be great at it. But he made the statement, don't, don't make that experience too strange. Meaning, be a godly worshiper now. Be someone who when you get face to face with Christ, it's not completely new that you're sincerely and zealously and passionately worshiping your Savior. Make that a pattern now. Make that a part of your life right now. Because if we can give God true worship, that also has encouragement and blessing and reward for the future. So we're transitioning right now to a time of worship. And the worship that we uh, enjoy now isn't, isn't uh, external, meaning just because we'll be singing, that's not worship. The worship is what's happening from your heart. The worship is you ascribing greatness to God. The worship is you telling Christ how awesome He is and telling the Father how great Jesus Christ His Son is and telling the Father how thrilled you are about what Christ has done for us and how amazing it is that God would show you and me love in that way. That's an opportunity to worship. Scripture says that Christ wants true worshipers, not people who just worship with their mouth, not people who can sing a, a great song but their heart is, is way off and never, never land, not people who are just giving lip service, but instead it says people who worship in spirit and in truth. That constant balance where our heart is sincere and zealous for telling God how great He is. Balanced with the truth of God's Word, who He is and what He's done. This is our chance to worship. So if anything, the events of the week, the passages that we looked at should give incredible hope, they should give incredible challenge, and they should give opportunity and motive to worship in another richer and more blessed way to give God glory. So uh, we'll ask the, the team to come and lead us in that worship of the hope we have in Christ.